just to mention that Matt didn't mention that he's preaching at the bridge. So let's pray that uh, he will preach up a storm and uh, we'll come back with news of revival and uh, good things will happen. Last week, he preached on some gifts and we're going to continue in that. If you are with us for the first time or if you've missed out, listen to those gifts online. He spoke about wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, miraculous powers, discerning of spirits. I don't know how he got through that in such a short time. So I'm going to take about an hour, if you don't mind, on the gifts. <laughs> Nervous laughter. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, just a few verses in, from verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healings, by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he gives to them to each of us as he determines. And then uh, flipping to uh, Romans chapter 12, just a few verses, you don't have to go there, and verse 4, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. Can you say, I belong to you? As you turn to the neighbor over here, I belong to you, and you belong to me. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. We have different Gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve it. If, if it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So I, I trust that you... Um, heard those gifts last week and you're exercising them. You've been exercising them during the week, right? Some of you are in darkness over there. I can't see if you're sleeping or not, so I'm going to have to shout a bit occasionally. All right, so we, we're looking at different gifts today, and we're starting with four speaking gifts. And um, the first one is the gift of prophecy. And I want to touch down on prophecy versus preaching. Are we, are we getting that on the overhead? Many churches do not believe in prophecy. Many churches don't believe in the gift of the prophet, and they're the poorer for it. Now, um, that's unfortunate because in the portion of Scripture that we read today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read of prophecy and verse 10, and in verse 28 of the same chapter, we we read of teaching, and then in chapter 14, he talks about prophecy again. Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, speaks to them about, in chapter 1 and verse 6, he says, 
I thank my God that you received the word of God with joy and with enthusiasm. And in chapter 5 and verses 20, around about 20, he, he says to them, don't, don't treat the gift of prophecy with disdain. He says, don't look down on it. So it's different. It's a different gift. They received the gift, the word of God with joy. But prophecy, they were, they were not too sure of. Two different gifts. Paul doesn't make a mistake when he hears the Spirit of God saying that prophecy is prophecy, right? So what's the difference between preaching and prophecy? Preaching is the studied, prepared word from God's word. Today, you didn't have a prepared preach from God's word. Um, it, Debbie didn't go home and, and look at a whole lot of commentaries and after days of preparation, she brought this message to God, to us from God. So it, it's, 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 it's a long and arduous process. Pro- prophecy is just the opposite. In, in P.J. Smythe, without the ease um, words, prophecy is the special ability that God gives to someone or to some people to receive and communicate on an immediate message from God to his people. It's an immediate thing. It's an immediate thing. So you see the difference. Gudum, Gudum, with an M, says it is a spontaneous prompting from the Holy Spirit. It's a spontaneous prompting from the Holy Spirit. So prophecy versus preaching, B, it's an important gift. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1, eagerly desire spiritual gifts and especially the gift of prophecy. Are we eagerly desiring spiritual gifts as the body of Christ? We need to. That's, that's God's word to us. That's God's command to us. Especially the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 39, it says, be eager to prophesy. Have you ever desired to prophesy? Has it ever entered your mind to say, God, you know, do I have this gift? Can, can you use me in this gift? If I do have this gift, Lord, Lord, bring it to the fore. Artie Kendall says that more people have this gift than they realize in the church of Jesus Christ. And so if, if, if God has, has stirred you, has he ever stirred you during a worship time? And, and, and uh, you, you stir to, 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 to share a word with the congregation. You think to yourself, um, I'm not too sure. You know, it must be me. It can't be God. Or maybe it's God. Or how do I know it's God? And, no, and, and, and you, you, you pull back on that. God's prompting. God's prompting. Maybe you've never done it before. And maybe you're scared. And you've got a right to be scared. Let the butterflies fly in unison um, if you've got butterflies in your stomach. But if, if you have this prompting of the Spirit, say, God, what, what, what is it? And he will give you the gist of what, what it is to share. And then you need to come to the anchor man and say, I've, I've, I've never sh- shared a prophecy in my life before. I'm scared out of my wits. But, but th- this, this is the gist of it. And, and allow the anchor person to say, yeah, I think it's appropriate. I think, I think this is for, for this moment. Sh- share it. But give him the prerogative to say, well, maybe for another time. I, th- I, think, I think 
You've got something there. I think you, you're onto something. See, what is the purpose of prophecy? 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3 says, Everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, for their encouragement, and for their comfort. We were strengthened. We were encouraged this morning, Debbie. Thank you for being uh, willing to be obedient to, to God. For chapter 14 and verse 4. He who prophesies edifies the church. Edifies the church. And so we're built up in our faith. We're motivated to serve God with greater zeal and with greater determination. Many of us, when we think of prophecy, we think in terms of um, foretelling. But it's this verse shows us very clearly that it's not just foretelling. It's for the media to, for a moment in time where God comes and he brings us comfort. He brings us strength. He, he brings us encouragement. A prophecy is very special, is it not? Because it's none other than God who is speaking to us. Have you ever thought of that? Yeah, Debbie spoke. But if we believe that God gives these gifts... Why can't we believe that God is speaking to us at that moment in time? And so it's not some major preparation over weeks that Debbie has done or people who have done who come here. Maybe they get a word of prophecy during the week. That's possible too. But it's a special word from God to us for, for the moment. and We need to weigh it up and we need to... We need to cherish it in our hearts. And I think maybe we need to even write it down and go and pray over it and, and, and praise God for it. And so it's God speaking to us. And this is why Paul says in Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses, verse 5, um, chapter 5 and verse 19 and, and 20. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. But he also says, test everything. Maybe you've had a bad experience in prophecy and it's put you off. Don't let it put you off for the rest of your life. I'm sure that some of you might have had. Have you, any of you had a, a bad experience in prophecy? Not too many. Not any. Wow. Wonderful. So you've got a clean slate then. Then, then there's faith. Faith. I had, a, I had a word which was off-putting once and um, it could have put me off for the rest of my life. And um, we were going to ch a church plant in Switzerland. We got another church who we were wor worshiping in a school hall, part of our group of New Covenant Ministries. And we, God led us to uh, say to them, come and, and amalgamate with our church. And their leaders amalgamate with ours. And we met with their leaders. And uh, they prophesied over us. Man, it was, it was so positive. It was so like, really? Um, it, it just... It just didn't gel in, in my spirit. The one man said, I, I see you like, um, like a ship, like that specially designed ship that cuts through ice. And it's going to be easier than, than you thought or think. And, and someone else said something, something similar. I said, I hope so, but oh, I don't know. And I went, I went there and I, I, hoped, I hoped against hope that, that, that this was so. And it was quite shattering because it, it wasn't so. It was well-meaning. Sometimes we do get it wrong. But, but we mustn't let that put us off. At the same time, I, went to, uh, I, was, I, was, I was told to go to a man called Mark Fisser. Uh, he was a prophet, uh, and he prophesied uh, around the globe. 
And he went to South Korea every year because his prophecies were so accurate. And, and someone who, who wasn't really into prophecy very, very much said to me, go to Mark Fisser and um, see what he says. I had all the other Harbalites lined up, the word of God, uh, the peace, uh, others confirming it, um, uh, circumstances uh, lined up. And I said, I, I just don't have this thing of prophecy. So on my way up, God reminded me and said, no, no, but you have. I said, I have? Thinking, thinking, thinking. Somebody, we were at a conference and somebody, we were walking and I was, I was speaking French to somebody and he stopped me and he said, you know, I, I believe that you're going to be ministering to French-speaking people. I, I think it's in Mauritius. No, I think it's in France. No, I think it's, I don't know where it is, but does it ring a bell with you? I said, not at the moment, but it doesn't jar. <laughs> it was furthest from my mind. Yeah, I was going to, uh, to Switzerland. They speak French there, right? And, and, and so we come to my first day where I'd never met him in my life. And he says, pack your bags, get your, your um, trot, uh, passports ready. Uh, you're going on a long, long journey, far away, and you're going to minister for, for many, many years. And so that, that, was, that was so encouraging. Have you ever heard of a, a, a prophet called Paul Cain? Paul Cain? It was mightily used, very, very pinpoint specific about the future. And um, he, he, he went to John Wimber on one occasion. John Wimber was starting up the vineyard churches. And you, you've heard of the vineyard churches there throughout the world. He was, it was, I think, in its infancy. And, and, and Paul Cain went to him and said, I have a prophecy for you, and, but I want to tell you something will happen beforehand which will encourage you to believe in this prophecy because I think it was the big prophecy that, that he was going to head up churches worldwide, which is, which is quite, quite, a, quite a prophecy to believe in. And he said there will, there will be an, an earthquake in San Francisco, and he gave the date, and it happened. Quite amazing. And so there are different levels of prophecy uh, as we're talking into this area. There's also an evangelistic element or purpose in prophecy. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verses 24 and 25 says, if an unbeliever or someone who doesn't understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is here. God is really among you. Grimm, in his book of theology, cites an example of, of a missionary who came and was asked to be a guest speaker. He didn't know the congregation at all. And during and was not in a con, uh, charismatic congregation. During his preach, he stopped and he said, um, God's given me a word for someone here and you're not a Christ follower, you're not a believer. And um, he, he had a word of knowledge as well. He said, uh, this is what you're going through. You're going through a divorce. You, you, you're renegating on your family. You're in real trouble. And, 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 he, and he said, well, if, if you're that person, God loves you. God, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for your life. He wants you to commit your life to him. And a man had slipped in um, at the back door, a visitor, and he came forwards. And this missionary was able to speak to him and lead him to Christ. 
as I was preaching this, I, I had a word from the Lord that, that there would be someone with fear and anxiety. You don't know Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. And he wants you to come to salvation. He wants you to come to know his peace and his joy and his comfort. So come and speak to us after the meeting this, this morning. Secondly, the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues. The Greek word is glossa, which means the human tongue. But in this context of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, it means language. It's a heavenly language. On the day of Pentecost, you know how the Spirit of God came on all those in, um, in the house and they spoke in tongues and then they went out in the streets and they spoke to the crowds. Many came from different nations. I think there were probably 19 or 20 different nations. And these people were given the gift of, of tongues and it translated into a language that they had not learned. I mean, imagine me speaking Chinese. Um, and so those people heard the gospel for the first time. Those people had the ability to respond to the love of God. Now, that was a one-off thing. It doesn't happen like that today. Maybe occasionally on, in certain ways, in certain little incidences. We went to a church in Switzerland, and you could, you could put on a headphone. It was a League of Nations there were uh, probably about 50 nationalities that came to that, to that service. And, and, and so they had headphones, and, and you could, uh, you could uh, listen to the interpretation on, on a headphone, but somebody interpreted it. He didn't know the language, um, uh, uh, just unknown to him. He wouldn't just say, uh, you know. Um, so you heard this little buzz going on. First of all, like, what, what's going on? We, we asked, and they said, no. They, they would interpret in different languages. So the gift of tongues is, uh, is very different from that um, one-off thing to the nations. And so it's not human language. It's a foreign, unintelligible, heavenly language. It is both unintelligible to the speaker and unintelligible to the hearer. That's why it has to be interpreted. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2 says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries in his heart. Kendall maintains that linguists, um, specialistic linguists got together and they made a, a thorough study on, on this gift of tongues. And they had hundreds of people coming in and they recorded them and they analyzed it and they came to the conclusion that this wasn't a human language. There was no relation to a human language whatsoever. It indeed was a heavenly language. Church growth experts say that in Christendom today, more people are speaking in tongues than, than ever in the history of the church. And, and they say the, the reason is, is that, that uh, charismatic, spiritual uh, missionaries and pastors and, and people are going into third world countries, leading people to Christ, and they're getting filled with the Spirit. But even though people are speaking in tongues more than ever before, it doesn't mean that they have the gift of tongues. 
the specific gift of tongues in, in the strictest sense. Because this gift of tongues is specially for the body of Christ. It's, it's for other people. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's given for the common good. That's the gift that they're talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse uh, 10. So every Christian has the potential to speak in tongues. And of those, some have potential to have the gift of tongues where you, you feel led of the Lord and you bring a word to the congregation. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4 says, He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. That's the, that's the private one. 14 and verse 14 of 1 Corinthians, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. I can pray with my spirit and I can pray, uh, uh, sing w- with my spirit. So how do you know that you have the gift of tongues for the body of Christ? I'm glad you asked, asked the question. Um, so if you have feel, felt stirred by God, um, there's a quickening, uh, there's a rise of faith in you to, 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 to speak out loud in tongues. You need to check it out with God. You need to say, God, is this you? Am I supposed to, to give this word f- for the body of Christ? And, and maybe it will happen in this way. Sometimes it does. Um, so when we're singing or between songs, uh, you might be, uh, praising God in a tongue, you might be praising God, um, singing wise in, in, in a tongue. And there's this overwhelming sense that you, you, you want to burst forth. You want to burst forth in tongues. And go and check it out again and say, I have this overwhelming sense that God has given me a tongue to, sh- to be shared uh, with a congregation. Thirdly, the gift of interpretation. How are we doing for time? We're making good time. We'll be home for lunch. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, someone must interpret. Well, this church, everybody was speaking in tongues, you know. Can you imagine? You come into this and it's like, it's like a food market, you know. Uh, we were in Hong Kong and we were in some of those back back street things. And you just go, who's the interpreter here? Like, no, no, I'm not in the church service. Someone needs to interpret. That someone might be the very person that has given the gift of tongues. Usually not. Usually someone else. And... Um, if there isn't anybody, then we, we need to hold back. Maybe nobody's got the gift, or maybe you've been stirred to, to, to give this gift of tongues, but you don't have faith to, for the interpretation, and you know that there's nobody that has this gift. Maybe, maybe uh, you, you need to hold back. But if you, if you feel the stirring in your heart, how, how do you know it? Um, someone will be speaking in tongues. And you'll, you'll have the stirring to interpret and, 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 and you'll say, wow, I don't know. I don't know if it's me. And then you'll have the sensing of what God wants you to say. And then you need to come to the anchor man. You need to say, um, I, I think I have 
the interpretation of this tongue. Um, check it out. So sometimes God has to do the unusual to convince us about spiritual gifts. Have you? Has He has He done the unusual for you? Maybe it's been predictive, and you thought, ah, you know, prophecy, ah, tongues, and and it's happened in that way. It happened with Jack Wood, and I think I might have shared this with you or shared it with some congregation. Um, that Jack was the principal of our Baptist college. He didn't believe in tongues. He didn't believe in prophecy. He didn't believe in the, in the gifts. And a friend asked him to come to Hatfield Baptist, which had gone charismatic galore. And um, they had an evening service. Wow. Wow. Every Saturday evening they would have praise and worship and an open time of ministry. And eventually he said, okay, to his friend, I'll come. And that and he thought to himself, that's it. Never come again. And and there were tongues and there were prophecies. And, and this particular tongue got his attention because it was classical Greek. And he, 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 he was flown to America uh, when the NIV was, was um, translated. He's an expert in it. So he thought, oh, I've got ammunition here to, to shoot it down once and for all. Wrote it down. He's waiting for the interpretation. He wrote the interpretation down exactly the same. And he grabbed the two guys, and uh, the one was a mechanic, the one was a um, um, bookkeeper, and he said, where did you guys study? Where did you learn classical Greek? That was superb, classical Greek. They said, what is classical Greek? So God sometimes has to do the unusual to convince us of spiritual gifts, and sometimes he does give that... Uh, that gift in, in, in a language. All right, four, the gift of teaching. Romans chapter 12 and verses 5 to 7. In Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. All right, so there's faith like, uh, oh, I don't know, I don't know, maybe I'll make a mistake. If it is serving, let him serve. It if it is if it is teaching, let him teach. Two categories of this gift. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 to 13 talks about people's gifts. They're gifts of people to, to the church. And these are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is the fivefold ministry. In and of themselves, they are the very embodiment of the gift. And um, they personify this gift. They're called usually to a, a wider body of Christ to speak internationally, to speak nationally, and to encourage the, 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 the church of God, to encourage them in a present dilemma or situation, to, to lift their gaze, to lift them out of the four walls, um, to come in and to, to bring clarity, to bring encouragement, to bring sanity. Um, and we've had those. We've had some of those, right, recently? We've had Ryan and we've had um, Karen and we've had uh, Rigby and uh, Rigby Rigby is coming again this this weekend. Uh, don't miss it. We, we ought not to miss the God-given gifts that God has given to us of the men who have this gift of teaching and encouraging. Grudem says this about teaching: the gift of teaching is the ability, sorry about the spelling again, it's grew dim. Uh, the, the gift of teaching is the ability to explain scripture and apply it 
to people's lives. Like in Nehemiah 8.8, they read from the word, and there were people, there were scribes and people who explained what that word was and encouraged people to live in it. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed, inspired. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, training in righteousness. Michael Eaton rightly points out that in the sending of God's word in scripture, God ordains preaching. It's not just a good idea to have a sermon. It is God ordained. That's why we dare not miss it. That's why we dare not say, beach today, this month, you know, let's go on spiritual leave for five months without any particular reason for it. We're the, we're the losers for it. And so it's not just given to gifted men. It's given to a whole variety of people. It's given to all elders. It's given to some deacons, to small group leaders, youth leaders, children's church leaders and, and teachers, lay preachers, seminary lecturers. Charles Spurgeon was an unsaved man and, and the Holy Spirit pulled him in to this little church and there were a handful of people and there was a lay preacher preaching a really fraught message and, 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 and he was convicted and he got saved. And that man in his early 20s, was preaching to 2,000 people, Spurgeon. 2,000. Just through this lay, lay man that was stumbling and fumbling. And the point that I'm making here is that if we use our gifts, God will honor them, right? We don't need to be apostles. We don't need to be the super-duper people of, of, in the kingdom of God. But if we're faithful in using our gifts, God will honor them. And who knows if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're a youth worker, who knows what God can do in people's lives and what they will do. I mean, Spurgeon led thousands to Christ. And we're all teachers to the extent that if we have little families, we are to teach them the word of God, right? We're all teachers to the extent that, that we're to share the gospel with other people. We're teachers in that sense. We need to know the Word of God. And so many people don't share the Word of God because they don't know the Word of God. They feel incapable of doing it. We all need to be students of God's Word. All of us. Paul's word to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15 is for every single one of us. Do you best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, and one who correctly handles the Word of truth? We all need to be students of the Word of God, not only the preachers and the teachers in the kingdom of God. Thessalonians, I should say Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, the writer speaking to this church says, many of you should be teachers by now, but you're not. And you need those to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word. Shame on us if we don't know the elementary truths truths of God's word that we cannot teach others, we cannot present Jesus to others. So how do you know if you have this gift? First of all, if you have the gift and you're not teaching anyone, then you're neglecting the gift that God has given to you. Maybe you've been a Sunday school teacher, maybe you've been a youth teacher, maybe you've, you've, you've um, done some lay preaching. Get back in, get back on track. Maybe God is, is pulling you back again. So how will you know? God gives, um, uh, P.J. Smythe has some um, 
input on this. There's some of my own here. He will give you a desire to teach. When I was born again, I had this fierce desire to preach. And I thought every single Christian had this desire. And, and it was only later on that I thought, I realized, no, hang on. Not everybody is given a, 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 a longing to, to preach and, and teach. Secondly, when you teach, you'll become excited about imparting truth and knowledge. And you will delight in seeing people's lives change. Really. That'll be a delight for you. That, that is my delight, to see, to see lives change. Thirdly, you'll enjoy research, study, and reading. You'll enjoy that. You'll say, ah, all that reading and study takes days and sometimes weeks to prepare. Ian McKellar was a, was a youth pastor at um, Branson New Covenant Church. He was a very young man and um, doing a good job in, in running the youth. And um, Dudley had, had, had came down with laryngitis and he couldn't preach. And some of the other guys who, who were on the preaching staff um, were away. And Dudley was in a bit of a dilemma. And he phoned people and nobody was available outside the church. And Ian McKellar said, I'll, I'll preach. And he said, you? You've never preached in our pulpit before. I haven't, I haven't heard you. And he said, but it's like Saturday. How are you going to do this? He said, no, I've got a sermon prepared. You have? Did you have a word of knowledge? <laughs> no, he said, no, I've been, I've been preparing a sermon every week for the last year or so. And here was Ian McKellar did well. He eventually went on to lead that church. But, but he so enjoyed studying the word that part of his work, he, he prepared a message each, each week as though he was going to preach it. Isn't that amazing? He knew too that he was going to preach the word. So he was preparing his heart for it. Maybe there's some here, you, you, God, God has stirred you for something. You need to start preparing. You need to, to walk into the, your future. Be ready for it when the opportunity arises. For others will affirm you. And people will grow in their faith as you teach. Five, God may open a door for you. He probably usually will. We had um, a Sunday school teacher leaving after, after leading the teenagers very successfully for about five or more years. And he gave me warning. He said, find somebody else. Fine. I'm saying, okay, just hang on a moment. And um, this is really a big teenage group on a Sunday morning. And, um, and I'm saying, Lord, who is it? Who is it? And, and, and here comes George Georgiadis, and, and I'm feeling prompted by the Spirit, and, and I'm thinking, Lord, this is a high-powered businessman. He flies all over the globe. I mean, you know, he wouldn't have time for this. And, and giftedness? Not too sure. And, um, and I, I just felt myself going to George. George, have you, have you ever thought of teaching in the Sunday school? Oh, no. He says, no, no, no. <laughs> I said, no, no, no. And I found myself saying, I believe that you got the gift of teaching. That was God. She said, really? She <laughs> says, no, 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 look, look for somebody else. I said, hey, hey George, um, come. I'll, we'll give you the manual. You preach in a week or two's time. You'll teach them. And, and if you don't like it, that's it. You're off the hook. And he looked at me and said, let me think about it. And he came back and he said, okay, I'll give it a go. And he never looked back. 
It was amazing. The, the kids just ate out of his hand. Sometimes God just says to you, hey, have you tried this? Will you do that? Serving. Jesus set the example. Romans 12 verse 7 is talking, talks about serving. Jesus set the example, did he not, by, by serving uh, 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 others. Um, he, he humbled himself, became a servant. Mark chapter 10 verse 43. We're coming down to land, don't worry. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Verse 44. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, uh, uh, to be served, but to serve. People with this gift have a heightened gift of serving. Deacons are in this category. Uh, diakonia means serving, serving. But it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. Uh, it, it's, it's an extensive gift that so many people can have. Usually these are the people that, that will see something that needs to be done. And before you even ask them, they will go and they will do it. And they will take great delight. Nobody even sees that they've done it and, and they'll go on their own. They'll come early before the service and they'll sort things out. They'll come afterwards. They might not even be deacons, but they'll be, they'll be putting up their hands to ride the bus. They'll be putting up their hands for, for different things, to not only in the church, but to, to, to give meals, to, to, encourage, to encourage others. Um, SBC are truly blessed with so many with this gift. And you should know that this church wouldn't function properly without you. And so if you have this gift, you feel that you have this gift, put up your hand for it. Well, the advert went out this morning. I didn't know it was going out. So here's your opportunity to respond to Jesus today. So flat, flat, mysterious eight, and um, let's pray. Our God, our Father, how we bless you that you've given to us different gifts and we know that uh, as we've operated those gifts or seen those gifts operating there and see it from Scripture, so many of those gifts interlink with other gifts. When we start operating in our gift, we see some of those other gifts operating as well and some that we might not have thought that we had. So I pray that you would stir up faith in the gifts that were preached last week and, to, and this week and will be preached in two weeks' time as we continue the series. We pray that you'll stir us up for the more in Jesus. And we pray that this body will be healthy. We pray that uh, we would be invigorated. We pray that we would be encouraged. We pray that we would, would be instructed in the word of God. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for your hand upon us uh, as born-again believers, that we're not left alone, but your spirit works mightily in and through us, producing life and vitality. In Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we invited folk to come for prayer. We invite you to come for prayer again. And um, if you want God to touch you in, in the Holy Spirit in any way, just, just in a general sense, you feel that you're dry or feel that you've never been um, baptized in the Spirit, we encourage you to come today. You don't quite know what your gifts are. Let's pray over you and let's pray that God will come and anoint you in a special way. So if you are someone who do, does not know Christ and you're in that position that we talked about, we'd love you to come and we want to introduce you to Jesus. Go well. Have a good day. Bless you.